firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We've been looking at the armor of God, these pieces that God has given us to be able to stand strong through the battle, and at the end, we're still standing. And we've looked at this idea of the battle that we're in. We looked at who the enemy is and who he is not. And then we also, last week, talked about this sword of the Spirit, this Word of God weapon that God has given to us, one that is more than just holding on to. And it's even more than understanding, but it's being able to use it, to speak it, and that's where the power comes from. And so then we get to this idea. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. There's not a lot of words there just about this topic, but like my question as I was thinking through this week is what is the main thing that we need to focus on with this idea of the belt of truth? And so the first place my mind went was, well, let's talk about the belt, all right, the literal belt. And maybe when you hear that word belt, oh man, there's these memories of like some punishments when you were growing up and you're like, I do not like the picture of a belt or whatever. Or maybe what you think of is like you're walking around society and you're like, there's some people that need a belt, all right? Like we got too much sagging going on and like that's what goes through your mind as we're talking about this idea of belt. But I also think about when a belt is used, it really does bring order to things. Like you look kind of nice and neat. And as I look back at Roman soldiers, what they would do is often they would use this belt to wrap up their tunic before all of their armor went on. And when the belt was tight, it meant that they were ready for battle. But when it was loose, it meant that they were off duty. And so it was also important because the sword was attached, being able to pull that out, that was what part of the belt's um, job was. And so I asked my daughter Alyssa, because we were talking in the van last night, and we were saying that we're preaching on the belt of truth, and she simply said, "Um, well, we've already studied the belt of truth. (laughs) And I said, okay, well, maybe I should wear your belt of truth that you brought home. And she's like, you could do that. But I said, what is one thing that I should communicate to everyone about this belt of truth? And she said, that you need to put it on first. Like, you're right. Because this belt that you would put on was before any other armor. If you went out of order, then you'd have to take some certain things on to put it back on. And so it really was kind of the foundational thing, that which went on first. And as important as like the belt itself is, and some of you historians would love to like learn even more about that, like that's not the big point that I want to hit on this morning as we're looking at the belt of truth. So maybe... It's what we're supposed to do with it. And in fact, in the NIV, you don't even hear it. You hear stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. But that's not exactly translated the best that it could be. Something like the ESV says, stand therefore having the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And you may not think that's a big difference, except it says here is this idea of to have, to be. It is a state of being that this belt is already buckled on you. In fact, the first three pieces of armor are that idea of to be. And so we've got the belt and the breastplate and our feet. We are ready at all times. It is something that we have. Whereas the last three pieces of the armor, it says take up. So take up the shield, take up the helmet, take up the sword of the spirit. So there are moments that we need those pieces of armor, those weapons. And I think about, to kind of clarify, if you're playing a baseball game, you know, every single person on the field has a uniform on. Whether you're in the dugout, whether you're playing the field, whether you're up to bat, you are always wearing your uniform. But then there are moments that you need to take up the bat because it's your turn to hit. 
Or there's a moment that you need to take up your glove because you're playing in the field. And that's what's going on here. That this idea of the belt of truth is one of those things that you just need to have at all times. Don't leave home without it. And yet, even as important as it is to kind of understand what it is that we do with this belt of truth, it's still not the big thing that I want you walking out of here remembering. And so maybe what we need to do is talk about truth itself. Like how important is truth? And even thinking about that, like when we are raising our kids, when Amy and I are raising our kids, one of the things that we teach them is, I don't know what kind of mistakes you're going to make. I don't know what kind of choices that you're going to get yourself into. I don't even know in a spot where you may be in the wrong place at the right, wrong time, not having done anything. But what we want you to do is to tell us the truth. Because there may be consequences to whatever choice it is that you made, but they will be less than if you try to lie and then we find out the truth later. Really because anyone who lies breaks trust in a relationship. When there is not truth, there is this breaking of trust. And so I think about, you know, on Thursday I was, I was doing lunch with someone. We were talking about this idea of what makes someone, like, trustworthy that you really just can uh, trust the things that they say. You want to be around them. We talked about someone who's being truthful and that they come through with the things that they say. We talked about someone who's being authentic, someone who is being real because you know that you're getting them in that conversation. And we talked about the idea of someone who cares about you. You know, you can have someone being real, but if they don't have any care for you, then maybe there's not a whole lot of trust being built. But if you have those things, man, the trust can be strong with that person. Because truth really is important for every relationship. But like, what if it's just a fib? Like, what if it's just a little white lie, you know? Maybe it doesn't hurt anyone. Is that really that big of a deal? So I was thinking about this. I typed in fibs in the, in the internet, and so it popped up these famous American fibs. And like, as I tell you these, I want you just to think about like what runs through your mind or what runs through your heart as you hear these things. And so simply the idea that, hey, the check is in the mail. Yeah, do you trust exactly what someone says with that? What about the idea of, I'm going to start my diet tomorrow? All right, that's there. How about we service what we sell? All right, maybe you've been in that spot. Give me your number and the doctor's going to call you right back. All right, you're like, I'm not waiting around the phone. Maybe there are things of this offer is limited to the first 100 people who call in. Or I just need five minutes of your time. All right, you kind of see through that. Your table will be ready in a few minutes. Or your luggage, it's not lost. It's just misplaced. All right, maybe you've heard that one before. Leave me your resume and we'll keep it on file. All right, you have a whole lot of hope with that. Or even this idea of, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And you're like, could we trade places then? Like, that would be great. And I don't know as you hear these different statements that maybe you kind of feel a little bit of doubt when those things are said. Unless you completely trust the person who is telling you, you kind of begin to go, are you really going to follow through with the words that you said or not? Because even little things, when they're not truthful, can begin to create this distrust. So truth in any kind of relationship is so important. And yet, it's still not the big thing that I want you walking out of here just grabbing onto. Maybe what we need to, as we're talking about truth, is how do we discover truth? How do we define truth? In fact, Pilate, even when he's standing across from Jesus near the end of his life before he's about to sentence him, says, what is truth? Truth, this idea that something is actual, that something is real, 
It's objective. There's a lot of times now that truth has become something that's subjective. Like we, we think that truth is pretty relative is a word we use. And what I mean by that is like, well, I can have my truth and you can have your truth and it works okay. I will tell you there are some things in life you know what, in my situation with my family, whatever, there's a truth that is going on right here and someone else can have a truth that's over here and they can coexist. But there are a lot of things that that is not the way the truth works at all. That there is a truth that is overarching that we all need to you know, live by, that everything succumbs to, whether we like it or not. But again, sometimes we decide what truth is based off of maybe feelings or even knowledge and facts. The problem is, that those things are constantly changing, like even knowledge and facts. You know, maybe there's a study out that says, hey, ice cream is good for you. <laughs> We're like, yes, we love this study. And so everyone starts eating all this ice cream you want because it's good for you. And then there's another study, the thing comes out saying, okay, maybe ice cream's not so good or maybe only chocolate ice cream or whatever it is. And so then all of a sudden, because the facts have changed a little bit, you're not quite sure what the truth is. Not to get political, but we could talk over the last two years about what is truth that's being told to us. Like, okay, what is the newest truth? What is being communicated to us? And so this idea of truth just based on knowledge and facts is pretty tough because there's some subjectivity to that. Or if we talk about truth based on our feelings, the thing I would tell you is sometimes you can be genuinely sure that you are doing something right, and yet you're genuinely wrong. And I think about maybe a pilot who's flying a plane, and for some reason he's gotten disoriented, and so he is going the wrong place. And that's why we have instruments as part of the airplanes. That's why we have people in command centers to make sure that everything is still going the way that it needs to go. Again, thinking I'm going the right way, but you can still be completely wrong if it's only based on feelings. There's a skit that I came across a few years ago. It's by a group called One Time Blind. And what they do is there's a girl that comes out and she holds a red balloon. And she's like, this is a red balloon. You all know it's red. We've been taught that it's red. It's great. This is the absolute truth that this color, this is a red balloon. And in this skit, there's someone else that comes out and he's like, oh, that's a great red balloon. Someone else walks out and says, that is a great green balloon. Someone else walks out over here. That is a great blue blue balloon. And they start having this conversation. And she's like, no, it's red. And he's like, I know it's red. This other person's like, no, no, look, it's green. He's like, wait. So he walks over and he's like, whoa, what'd you do? It's green from this angle. And so like, no, no, then come over here. So he comes and steps over here. Whoa, it is blue from this angle. And then he like walks out in the crowd and he's like, it's purple from here. And his truth changes based off his perspective, even though it's been red the entire time. One of the guys who says that the balloon is blue the entire time, they're trying to figure out why is it blue? And he's like, that's what my mom taught me. And so the girl's like, well, I understand and I'm not doubting your mom, but she was misinformed. Like, this is not a blue balloon, it's red. And another person said, I I know it was red. And they're like, wait, 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 you just said it was green. He said, I know. My mom taught me it was red, but I went to color college. And I had all these professors of color, and they started teaching all these different things, and I decided that green works for me. Said, it's fantastic at traffic lights, you know, just go right through. And at the end of all this argument on what is truth, the girl simply said, you know what the thing about truth is? It's true whether you believe it or not. And sometimes we have all these different things that maybe we try to define our truth by, but God really is the one who is truth. And sometimes we may not like truth. What's interesting is what we do with that. 
in the moment when we're struggling, maybe it's something about God. God, is this really true? Or it's something about us or with other people. Do we look at that and listen to that? Or do we do what a lot of people do and just like, well, then I'm going to look for someone to support my truth. And so, okay, a doctor has told me this. I don't like it. I'm going to go find a new doctor. A counselor has told me this. Yep, don't like it. I'm going to go find a new counselor. Friends have told me this. And instead of looking into the truth, I'm going to find some new friends. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about there's going to come a time when people aren't going to listen to sound doctrine, to the actual truth. Instead, they're going to gather around them a whole bunch of people to say exactly what they want to hear. That's what they're going to do if they don't like truth. But God is truth. He has been since the beginning. And when Jesus comes on the scene in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. He is truth. I heard an illustration this week by Tony Evans. He said, you know what? If you're over in Europe, uh, and specifically in England, you'll see people like looking at their watch or pulling out their pocket watch. And they look up and they look back down and then they look up. And the whole reason is they've been looking at Big Ben right there. And they're trying to find out what the time is that Big Ben is versus what they have. And if something is off between the two, well, Big Ben is the standard. It's the standard of what the correct time is. You're not going to go to the people who are running Big Ben and say, hey, you need to change that because my watch says it's 927, but Big Ben says it's 925. They're just going to laugh at you, you know, and Big Ben doesn't care about like how long you've been running on that time. Doesn't care about like if it's your grandparents that passed down that watch to you. It doesn't care how many people you have that are running off the exact same time as you. This is not the truth. Big Ben is the standard. And that's the same thing here, that God is the standard, whether we believe it or not. So as we're talking about this idea of truth and it being very much objective, I guess an important point, but it's still not the thing that I just want you to leave with more than anything else. See, because we're in this boot camp, we're in this basic training, and there is a battle for truth. There's a battle for truth. We talked about the enemy a couple weeks ago. And you know what? His power, man, he does not have the power he once did because of the cross, because of Jesus. Like he cannot make us do anything. Oh, but he is that deceiver. He is a schemer. And what he wants to do is he wants to win the battle within our minds. And so that's where his power comes from. And so that is the battlefield between our ears. And I think about if that's the battlefield, then we need to be reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 that say, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You see, the things that God has given us is allowing us to win this battle in our minds for truth versus lies. And we need to block anything that tries to get in there that is not of the way of God. And in this battle, man, there's a lot of times that we can deal with half-truths. Like sometimes we even use facts, but we configure those facts to make this look like the truth when all the while it isn't. For instance, let's just say I went home and like I told my wife, Amy, hey, look, I caught 20 fish today. And she's like, well, that's amazing because you never fish and you have nothing like as far as fisherman stuff at home. You were at work today. Like, how did you do that? And I'm like, well, 
I went to the market and I said, hey, can you throw fish into my cart? And so they threw 20 fish in there and I caught them, you know? Like the fact, at least by words, is that I did catch those fish. But my intent really is to deceive. Or I think about even the idea of, man, I'm having to give a recommendation to someone who maybe is a little bit lazy and I use the words, um, you'll be lucky if you can get them to work for you. Like the words are true, but like really it's not so much lucky. It's just like they're not going to work. Or maybe I could say the idea of, I am pleased to call this person a former colleague of mine, you know? (laughs) And so again, those words are still there. Man, the intent is not being truthful whatsoever. And Satan will do that. He's going to take some partial truths and make us think, hey, this may be the way. Because if it's a complete lie, we're going to be like, yeah, we, we see against that. But what about this? something that you've done. Look at your friends. Look at how this is going. Look at the world. I think that's even why sometimes other religions still have a pretty strong force because there are tidbits of truth within them. They take things sometimes straight from Scripture and you can read it in their words. And Satan loves to deceive. In fact, he even tried that with Jesus saying, look, God even said this. But Jesus said, yeah, that's out of context. This is what you need to know. Man, he wants to take those partial truths and then he's got us. And that's why in this battle for truth, we need the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And yet, as important as that is, it's still not the thing I want you to walk out of here with. This point is, I want you to think about how truth really does affect our lives. How does truth really affect our lives? Because if you do the opposite of truth, we just think about lies that we hear, whether it's from other voices or whether it's all in our head. But maybe you've heard this one before, that you're a failure. Like, you're just a failure. Maybe it's like, look at your work, um, all the places that you've worked, you've never been able to stay somewhere, and you're simply a failure. Or maybe it has nothing to do with that, but let's like look at your kids and you think that you're a good parent and you begin to hear this lie that I'm a failure. Or maybe it has nothing to do with your kids, but maybe your first marriage didn't work out. You're a failure. Or your marriage right now is on the rocks and you just begin to hear some of these lies that again, someone else may have said or you just begin to feel it yourself. It doesn't make it any less real. Maybe it's not failure. Maybe it's just like, you're no good. Like, that's the lie that we begin to believe. And maybe it's just no good, or you're just never going to be good. Maybe it's in a specific area, just all around. Maybe it's like the idea of, you know what? You're never going to be strong enough. You're never going to be popular enough, or pretty enough, or tall enough, or athletic enough. You're never going to have enough money. Whatever the enough is, sometimes that's a lie, and that is going on in that battlefield. Maybe the lie is that no one loves you. And you begin to go, man, am I even worth it? Like, no one loves me. Or maybe we don't use that word because people are supposed to love you no matter what. And so we use the word care for. Like, no one cares about me. No one reaches out to me. No one gets to know me. And so, like, you really have this lie of absolutely no one cares about me. Which could lead to the next one of the lie that I'm completely alone. Like no one else knows what I'm going through, can connect with me. I am 100% alone. Or maybe there's even just a lie of 
nothing matters. I mean, if I've thought about all these other things and I don't really matter, do my passions really matter? Do my, you know, things that I'm looking forward to matter? Like, do, do, even if I try, does it matter? And this point of just, it really doesn't matter. Man, that's a lot of lies right there. And I'll tell you that, like, even just listing those off, I know I'm the only one talking, but, like, I can feel the weight in here. <laughs> because we've all struggled with some of those lies at some point in our life. So what does that mean? So we've heard these lies and maybe sometimes we're able to fight them off, but other times they grab a hold of us. And so I think about this dow rod being our life. And again, I don't know which lie it is, but maybe there's multiple ones. And you can see there's already some tension here because we're in a battle if you haven't been paying attention. But lies. So what if some of the lies that are now in your mind, how do they make you feel? Maybe you're just simply sad and depressed all the time because you begin to believe some of these things about yourself or your value, and so that's the way you are. Or what if you just feel like you have no value whatsoever, like you feel inadequate, and so that's what you carry around with you all the time because of the lies that are in your mind. And so they take a toll on you. What if the lie makes you feel, let's say alone, because we talked about how that's a lie, but it's also a feeling that you feel completely alone or even right behind that, the idea of guarded and exhausted because you're always trying to not let someone else know what's really going on because of what you're feeling. And so you feel those things as well. Maybe the lies that have been told to you or that you tell yourself have you feeling hopeless, stuck, defeated, and that is the weight that you have. And I don't know what other kind of lies there may be. And it didn't break this time. <laughs> but I will tell you in real life, like there comes a point that you just break. And for some people, like that literally means your life. There's some people, they have believed enough lie, lies that they end their own life because of the battle that's going on there. There's some people that it's not that drastic, but there is this idea of they begin to backslide. Things that they never did or did a long time ago, but because of the lies, I'm, this is just all I'm worth. Or even they go and find their value from people that they never would have before, doing things that they never would have before because they're seeking any kind of thing to lift them up. It's the truth. Like what happens if we actually hang on to the truth of God? I would tell you when all those lies are trying to come inside your head, then you're able to stand and look at them and say, no, no, no. Like I have this safety and security because I know who God is and I know he's got me. Like there's this idea that I'm not alone. There is this idea that I have freedom because you can say whatever you want about my past, but I have been forgiven. And so you don't have to feel that anymore. There's this idea of hope that no matter what the struggle is right now, I will not always be in this spot and God has me. And simply the idea of truth of 
I am valued. And those truths, when we buckle them up, will allow us to stand no matter what comes. Lies cannot hurt us. There's a lot of times people will quote, hey, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free, which is part of what Jesus said. The problem is, is they want to define truth in a different way. And if your truth is not the truth of God, then you will never experience true freedom. That's where it comes from. And so yeah, there may be moments that you don't feel the truth at the moment. Continue holding it because God will show up. There are moments that you may not like the truth, but continue to hold it because God will show up. If you look at Satan when he was trying to tempt Jesus, he couldn't do anything against the truth. So even this morning, I might just ask, whose voice are you listening to? Like that battle in your mind, who's winning? I pray that you listen to the voice that says, you are mine. You are my child in whom I delight. You are my creation in the way that I wanted you to be. You have a purpose and you have value, so much value that I sent my own son to die for you. And as we again buckle up with that kind of truth, you and I, we can stand victorious. So as we come to our decision time, I know it got heavy there at the very end because lies have a way of doing that. And so for some of you during this decision point, like as we're singing, I would encourage you to go to one of those spots and let someone pray over you as the lies have maybe gotten a hold of you and you need to hear God's truth. You need someone else to pray with you that you can experience some of that freedom that only he offers. And for some of you, maybe this is the first time ever that you're like, I get the truth of Jesus and I want to follow him. Like maybe I don't even understand and so you need to have a conversation with someone at one of those doors. Man, we want you to experience truth because as that truth is, like your life will never be the same. Do not let the enemy defeat you with lies. If you have a decision to make, I encourage you to go to the decision point. The rest of us, let's stand and sing.